Welcome to Hope Assembly of God Online. We believe no matter the journey, there is always hope. This is a recording of our live Sunday sermon, unedited, uncut, real. It's a joy to to be here with you this morning. Um, My wife, Sue, here in the the front row, I hope you get a chance to talk to her uh, later as well. But um, so um, if you can start the the PowerPoint, a little bit about us. I know many of you are familiar with Chi Alpha, but some of you may not be. So I'm just going to highlight a few things. You can go ahead and go to the the next slide. Chi Alpha, the name comes from 2 Corinthians 5.20, where it says we are therefore, in the Greek it says Christu Apostoloi. And the first two letters are Chi and Alpha. And uh, it means Christ sent ones or Christ's ambassadors. And so what a, what a great uh, mission that we have. All of us are Christ's ambassadors. And so we are a missions effort of the Assemblies of God to our secular universities and colleges. Uh, we reconcile students to Christ, equipping them through spirit-filled communities of prayer, worship, fellowship, discipleship, and mission to transform the university, the marketplace, and the world. So the students are the missionaries on the campus. So I'm called a missionary, but honestly, my job is I'm a trainer of missionaries. Yes, I'm a missionary, but my job is to train the students to reach out to their classmates, uh, their floor mates, you know, the, the people that they work with on campus. And just like your pastors are, are training and equipping you to reach out to your workplaces, to your coworkers, your, your neighbors, uh, and things like that. So you guys are missionaries to your community. Uh, we're all to be salt and light. So the next slide, uh, a little bit about us. My wife and I, we've been doing this a little while. Um, I was at the University of Maryland for the longest time. So many of the stories that you're going to hear from me will be uh, from there. Um, but the, the biggest need nationwide for Kaya Alpha is we just don't have enough workers. And so all of you, please pray for more workers uh, for our campuses. Um, The primary way that we create Chi Alpha missionaries is through our internship program, a campus missionary and training program. And it's a uh, 10-month full-time internship uh, that trains and equips people to be missionaries to the campus. Uh, Sue and I directed programs at the University of Maryland, the internship program. And uh, then also we, we started and directed uh, the program at the University of Vermont. And now we are building and directing one for the universities uh, in the Philly metro area. Uh, and it's based at Rowan University. Now, I know this church supports the Nalbandians. And we have known Carl and Christine for quite some time. And one of the things that, that really excited us about coming and working here is getting the chance to, to uh, work together with them and and minister together with them. And so we, we are really enjoying that. Uh, the next slide, our vision statement is reaching students, training leaders, and influencing nations. I'm going to highlight just a few stories. Okay, so I've been doing this uh, 30 years, right? So um, please come to me later. I can tell you stories all day. So if you want to hear more stories, uh, I can do that. Um, but at the top left, we see Dan. And Dan, uh, he is what we dream of as a campus minister. Dan, I met with him as a freshman. He came up to one of our tables, and I met with him later. And he said, I came to the University of Maryland to be a missionary on the campus. 
So, you know, I thought about going to Bible college, but I thought, you know what? I can go be a missionary on the campus, and then I'll, I'll go to seminary afterwards. And I'm like, wow, I am excited about you being here. And uh, he, he served as a leader, did, you know, joined us in all our outreach and things like that. And now he and his wife are full-time missionaries uh, to internationals in the Nashville, Tennessee area. On the, on the right is Manara. Uh, Manara uh, was a nominal Muslim student uh, who came from Mongolia, so international student. Her father was the Minister of Transportation at that time. Uh, he previously been a member of Parliament. And we matched M Manara with a local church family. Uh, we had an international friendship partner program uh, at the University of Maryland that my, my wife uh, directed and did a great job with that. And uh, this family that we matched her with just showered love uh, on Menara. And, uh, and they were just open about their faith. And that caused Menara to start pursuing this Jesus that, that this family talked about. And Menara committed her life to follow Jesus. And now several of her family members have expressed openness to the gospel as well. On the next slide, uh, you see... Uh, the man on the top right is uh, Sungman. He came uh, to the University of Maryland. His government sent him to Maryland uh, to learn more about American politics and law. His wife was getting her doctorate in music at the University of Maryland. Uh, she taught at a university in Seoul, Korea. And uh, Sungman told me, hey, I would like to get like an experience with, uh, you know, on Capitol Hill, you know, maybe with um, a congressman or something like that. And I told him, I said, hey, I have some contacts. Maybe we can help you out if you give me your resume. At that time, the Assemblies of God have a, had a minister at large on Capitol Hill, Dick Foth. And uh, he's a great friend of Chi Alpha, too. So uh, I, I knew him. I said, hey, maybe I could pass it on to him. Uh, but also, uh, you may not know this, but you have a congressman from New Jersey, uh, Chris Smith, who got saved through Chi Alpha when he was a student at, at was what was then Trenton State College, like, I don't know, 30-some years ago uh, now. Uh, but anyway, so I, I have, uh, so I had a contact with him. Actually, Chris Smith did a promotional video for us for Chi Alpha. And I would share it with you, but it's 20 years old, so it's really out of date. Um, but, uh, but anyway, so, um, yeah, so, so Simon gives me some, some resumes, and I did send them on. But I looked at him first. <laughs> I, I just wanted to know, hey, what does it look like? And uh, I called Sue in. I said, Sue, look at what Sungman does. And I'm looking at his resume, and he has on there that currently he was the deputy director to the prime minister of South Korea. And, uh, and then he listed as one of his personal references the former president of South Korea. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> and Dick Foth helped him out. He actually did get a, a, like a, some kind of internship or assistantship uh, with uh, Senator, at the time, Senator Ashcroft, John Ashcroft. Uh, but, um, all right, and uh, at the bottom, you see a, a couple of men, uh, well, several, uh, a group of people, but uh, the, the man on the left, uh, who's, who's on my right in the picture, is Yarrow, and then the other man is Mr. Cho. Um, the, the ladies there are professors at um, a, a major university in China. Uh, but Yarrow, um, they, they all came with the Public Policy Institute at the University of Maryland for like a one-year program. Uh, Yarrow at this time was a uh, kind of equivalent to like a state appellate judge uh, for us. He was a provincial uh, appellate judge. And uh, then later, when he went back to China, 
he uh, uh, got the position of a deputy mayor of a city. And uh, both of them, Yero and Mr. Cho, Mr. Cho uh, was a mayor, and still is, a mayor of a major city in China. Uh, and this, China, this city is actually uh, very influential politically. Um, most of the last presidents of China have come from this city, from, from uh, leadership positions in this city. So uh, Mr. Cho and, uh, and Yero uh, both came, uh, and they both wanted to learn about American culture. And in their minds, that also meant Christianity. Uh, so they, they got involved in our Alpha course, which is a, a kind of an evangelistic introduction to Christianity. Um, and um, and they, they, they both really enjoyed it. Yero himself, though, has uh, since uh, he went back to China, has emailed me and told me he's reading his Chinese Bible, and he's really enjoying it. He said, well, I, I, I'm reading the book you gave me, and I'm really enjoying it. But anyway, <laughs> so... Uh, so you can see, I, I firmly believe that our universities are the most strategic mission field uh, in the world. Uh, literally, this is the best foreign missions that we can do. You, you see just here, this is, again, this is just touching on the stories. I mean, I can go on and on and on. And, and so a, a deputy director to the prime minister, a, a mayor of a major city in China, um, you know, university professors, um, let alone uh, we have friends now who have gone through a program who are uh, working in the headquarters of Microsoft, the headquarters of Qualcomm. And, um, and so I can go on and on. Um, in the next uh, slide, you'll see some of our interns that we had at the University of Maryland. Uh, they went on to uh, either Pioneer or Pioneer and Direct, uh, direct uh, campuses uh, at these different places. The next slide, you'll see some of the interns that we had at the University of Vermont. Um, all of them have gone into uh, or went into ministry. Uh, one of the couples is planting a church in New Hampshire. Um, a couple of uh, them up there are working with uh, Chi Alpha staff uh, full time. And in the next slide, I'm really proud of this. You can see the masks. These are our interns this year at, uh, at Rowan University. Uh, Joelle on the left, uh, when she finishes the internship program, uh, she's going to go on to graduate school, uh, but then she's also going to be helping us uh, part-time with Chi Alpha at Rowan. And then uh, Amy on the right uh, will be helping us part-time or helping us with Chi Alpha in the fall, but in January of next year, she goes to Egypt uh, to be a world missionary uh, with the Assemblies of God. So we're, we're excited about this, and we believe that this is just the beginning of many interns that will be going through our, our internship program at, at Rowan University, and then we'll be able to place them on campuses in, in Philadelphia and throughout New Jersey and the Northeast and sending them out as missionaries around the world as well. Now, in light of our... Uh, oh, the next slide. So these are the major some of the major campuses in Philadelphia. And so our goal is we want to raise up interns to be staff to help us build Chi Alpha programs at these universities. Now, you can see my, my gray beard. I am the young guy on the Chi Alpha staff in Philadelphia. So <laughs> there's only two of us, and uh, I like being the young guy. That's, kind of, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, but the other guy's 70, and he's going to be retiring soon. And so we need to raise up staff. And uh, so right now we only have a student group at Temple and we, we don't have anything at the other campuses 
we have a student who wants to help us get a, a, a Chi Alpha going at Penn right now, so we're excited about this fall. Uh, but please pray for this. And I recently read that one in six doctors in the United States is trained in Philadelphia. So what an opportunity to impact uh, our, our country if we, if we reach these, these students in these campuses. Uh, of course, many of you know, know that uh, President Trump uh, went to Wharton, uh, so in, at Penn, the business school. Uh, so reaching these campuses, we really can impact our world. All right, so in light of our working with university students, I want to share with you five ways the Bible would have been different if written by college students. All right. Number five, loaves and fishes would be replaced by pizza and chips. That's it for the, the PowerPoint. So the Ten Commandments are actually only five, but because they are double-spaced and written in a large font, they look like ten. I've done that one. Paul's letter to the Romans becomes Paul's Instagram to the Romans. The reason Cain killed Abel, they were roommates. And the number way, one way the Bible would have been different if written by college students, instead of God creating the world in six days and resting on the seventh, he would have put it off until the night before it was due and then pulled an all-nighter and hoped no one noticed. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, as we, as we turn to your word, God, may we uh, open our hearts and minds to you. God, may we receive from you. Uh, God, uh, I pray that you'd help us to hear. Help us to, to see and understand. And uh, God, above all, help us to apply into our daily lives the things that we've, we already know. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So everyone likes a good story, right? Yeah, I mean, not just any story, but you, you hate it when you go to a movie and, and maybe there's a lot of hype. Maybe they got even great, uh, great actors. Uh, but then you go and it's a big disappointment because, like, the story's flat. There's not much story. They put all the emphasis on, you know, getting good actors and, and maybe special effects, but the story is, is weak. Think of what a good story is. What, what makes it a good story? Uh, what are the elements of, good, of a good story? Well, first of all, it has to have a character that you like, right? Someone you can really build a connection with, someone you like. There has to be a tension uh, in the story that we can relate to, you know, some kind of uh, thing that, that, that comes up that, that, you know, that brings a, a, a maybe either a, a concern, a fear, or some kind of tension. And then there needs to be a resolution that satisfies. I mean, sometimes movies are designed to not leave a resolution because they want you to think on it and hopefully, you know, do something to change your world. Um, but, um, but ultimately, we want a resolution that satisfies the happily ever after. Now, the Bible tells a great story. And when I say story, I don't mean fictional. I just, I mean, it's a story. It's a true story. The Bible tells a great story, and Jesus is the focal point of it. I have heard it said that history is his story, right? It's God's story. And this morning, I want to take an overview of this story, and then we'll look at Scripture, and we're going to be able to see what is our place in God's story and that there is a resolution that satisfies because we are drawn into it, because it's our story too. 
So first of all, the character that we like is God or Jesus, right? Remember, if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. He is the hero of the story. He created us for a relationship with him. And in the story of Genesis in chapters 1 through 3, you see that, that God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. And there was perfect harmony, right? There was perfect harmony. And really the way it could be put is it was the people of God dwelling in the place of God with full access to the presence of God. This was God's design from the very beginning, and this is what he's working to in the end. The people of God in the place of God uh, with full access to the presence of God. And so uh, Genesis 1 through 3 is kind of the start of it. All the rest is kind of working to the end, which is Revelation 21, where you see the people of God dwelling in the place of God with full access to the presence of God in even a greater way than it was before. So it's not just restored, it's better. So, so that's the story. But what happened, what, what's the tension then, the tension we relate to? What happened is God gave us free will, and we could choose to you know, submit to God and his, his choices or what he says is right and wrong, or we could say, you know what? No, God, I want to decide for myself what is right and wrong and what is good and not good. Uh, I want to run my own life. And that's what people did. And so we have sin. We have a broken relationship with God. We basically said, Adam and Eve uh, and all humanity, we all every day say, basically, I want to run my own life. And, and so that breaks the relationship with God because we were created for community with God. We were created for fellowship with God. And that is broken. And not only is that broken, our relationship with God is broken, but also our relationship with one another. And because you've got all these self-centered people running around, and, and, and you do that, we're going to end up bumping heads because, you know, we're each trying to, to uh, satisfy ourselves and, and not each other. And so what we see then happening is God begins a resolution. And so from, from the start of the fall, God began his redemptive plan, and we see it working out throughout history. He's been working to complete this, and the way we see it is what we call progressive revelation. So God reveals more and more of himself, and as he does that, he expects more and more from people. So he reveals something of himself to, to Abraham, uh, but then you see him revealing even more of himself and what it means to follow him uh, to the Israelites, to Moses and, and the nation of Israel. And because of that, there's more requirements. Okay, this is what it means to follow a holy God when you are a sinful, selfish people. But what we see that's begun there with that nation of Israel is we see the tabernacle and then the temple where God's presence is. And so we see God again. We see that starting again. The people of God, the nation of Israel, the presence of God, not fully accessible, but accessible, the presence of God among them. Now, this was even made greater in Jesus because the angel said, you will name him Emmanuel, God with us. So now we have God physically with us. Again, the presence of God. And he told Peter, I will build my church. 
So he's gathering together himself, among, around himself, the people of God. So the people of God with the presence of God. Now, Jesus told the disciples that it's better for you that I go. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> what do you mean it's better for you to go? We got, we got God with us. How is it better for him to go? Well, it's better that he leave because through his death, one, a way is uh, created for restored relationship with God through his, his sin and his resurrection. And he defeated death, so we don't have to fear death. But also, the Holy Spirit, he said, I will send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was poured out on the believers. And so, not, not, no longer do we have just God with us, but we have God in us, and the church, and the believers. And so, Paul would talk about us being literally the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. So what does this look like and what does this mean for our place in God's story? And so I want to look at 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, verse 4 for this. So as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men but chosen and priceless in God's sight, you yourselves as living stones are built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood and to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it says in Scripture, Look, I lay in Zion a stone, a precious, a chosen and priceless cornerstone, and whoever believes in him will never be put to shame. So you who believe see his value. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stumbling stone and a rock to trip over. They stumble because they disobey the word of God as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own so that you may proclaim the virtues of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You were once not a people, but now you are God's people. You are shown no mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to keep away from the fleshly desires that do battle against the soul and maintain good conduct among the non-Christians so that though they now malign you as wrongdoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God when he appears. So there are three word pictures from Peter that I want to highlight here. First, he says we are a spiritual house. Then he says we're a royal priesthood. And then he says we are aliens and strangers. So, Peter says we are living stones being built into a spiritual house. So we, the church, are the place of God's presence. You know, think of the temple. That's where God's presence was. So we, the church, are the place of God's presence. Now, what does this mean? Well, it means we need to be around people who don't know Jesus. Because especially when we're together as believers, there's some kind of spiritual dynamic that happens where they see the presence of God, they sense the presence of God. Uh, one of our grad students, Carl, said, um, I believe that, that uh, we are God's ad campaign. Okay, so hold, bear with me. When you think about it, what do ads do? Well, 
ads, the purpose of commercials or ads is to stir up a dissatisfaction in you, right? Because, like, I got an iPhone. Oh, wait a minute. Now, there's nothing wrong with my iPhone, but the new one came out, and it has, like, three lenses. You know, <laughs> and it'll take, you know, 3D pictures or whatever. You know, it's, like, so much better than my phone. And so, all of a sudden, I'm now dissatisfied with my phone. And just in that same way, as we live life full of the Holy Spirit, full of God's peace and joy, those around us who don't know God, should, there should be dissatisfaction that's stirred up in them. It's like, wow, what they're living for is empty. They don't have that joy. They don't have that peace. So we should be that ad campaign. <laughs> I like how he put that. We had a, a, a student, her name is Rong. She came from China, and she got involved in our, our Alpha course. We, we connected her with our American Friends program, you know, matched her with a, a local church family. And um, she came up to me one time at one of our church events, or not church events, sorry. She came up to me at one of the university events, and uh, she said, Mark, can I ask you a question? And I, I said, sure. She said, why are you so nice? And I'm like, I'm like trying to think, what have I done? <laughs> and, and honestly, there wasn't anything that I specifically, me personally, had done for her. I mean, it had been other people, you know, in our programs and, and things like that. And, uh, you know, so, of course, the, the Holy Spirit clued me in. It's not about you. And, uh, and so I said, thank you. I said, but honestly, it's not, it's not me, but it's, it's Jesus in me. And as I said that, she's nodding her head like this. Because she understood it was something deeper than anything I'd done. And I said, and, and he wants to do the same thing in you. And she said, you know, she was a, a grad student in uh, microbiology or something like that, in biochemistry. And, and she'd been steeped in evolution and everything uh, in China. And she said, I, I want to believe. I said, <laughs> and I feel bad that I don't. And uh, we'd given her a Bible, and she was reading it, and I said, look, you just keep pursuing God, and he'll reveal himself to you. Uh, I know you'll find him. Uh, Rong did go back to China before we know if, if she ever became a believer, but she had a Bible, and, uh, and she'd, she'd gotten the, uh, kind of the grounding, we believe, and uh, we trust the Holy Spirit to do follow-up. So I believe right now she's a believer serving in an underground church in China. Um, but, uh, but I don't know that. I'll, I'll know that in heaven when I meet her. Uh, but, um, but, but this works. We had a student at the University of Vermont who, uh, his name is John. He's an atheist. And he started coming to our Chi Alpha meetings because his friend Josh, who had met him in, in classes, had invited him to come to one of our, 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 our meetings. And actually, the way John remembers it is he told him it was a party and Josh says, I didn't say it was a party. I said it was one of our meetings. Anyway, uh, John comes thinking it's a party, and then he sees worship words up on the, on the screen, and he's like, what kind of party is this? And, um, but John, uh, people, people started really just loving on, on John and, and built friendships with him, and he kept coming. He got involved in a small group. In fact, he was one of the more faithful students who came to our, our weekly prayer meetings and, um, and I don't know, you know, exactly where John ended up in his faith, but he was, he was drawing closer to God. He, at the end of his senior year, he, uh, 
he, he wouldn't call himself an atheist anymore. He said, I don't know where I am with, with God. But he got up at our, our last meeting, and he wanted to speak to our group. And what he said is, he said, you have what the world needs. He said, you need to get out there, and you need to bring them in, even if you have to trick them to thinking it's a party. <laughs> well, I don't, don't do that, but... <laughs> Josh asserts he didn't trick him, <laughs> but, uh, but John understood that, that we have the words of life uh, that, that Jesus entrusts us with and the power of his Holy Spirit. So our job as a temple is to get out there and be God's presence. You know, there's a reason they're not Christians. They're not going to come here. I mean, some seekers will come here, but, but we need to get out there and be with them to go where they are. And the, the goal is we want to glorify God. Now, John Piper put it this way. Uh, what does it mean to glorify God? Well, it's, it could also be translated uh, magnify. In fact, you know, they use it interchangeably in the Bible. Magnify the Lord, glorify a God. Um, and there's two different ways we use the word magnify. We use the word magnify when you're trying to, to make like an amoeba or, or something like that big enough so you can see what it is. But you also use magnify when you use a telescope. When you want to uh, make something that's immeasurably great, like a galaxy, uh, big enough so you, that you can see you know, what it, how great and big it really is. And, and John Piper says that's what it means to magnify God. He's so immeasurably great and good, and we want to magnify him, make him uh, more knowable or more seeable, help people see him for the great God that he really is. So the, we are um, a spiritual house. We are a royal priesthood. So Peter says we are a royal priesthood. The root, the root word for priesthood here in the Greek means bridge builder. And there was a Chinese student in our Chi Alpha program at, in Baltimore. Uh, she went up to the guy who was leading the program at that time. Uh, by His name was Bud. And she went up to Bud and she said, Bud, thank you for what you've done for us. You build a bridge from your heart to mine. And Jesus walked across. And that's what we want to do, right? We want to be bridge builders. Peter says it's so that we can show the goodness of God. We are his hands and feet of love to others. And I know your church has, has programs where you're trying to reach out to the community. You're trying to build those bridges by serving and um, you know, supplying needs to the people who are needy. And that's what bridge building is all about. So what does this look like? Well, we need to look at Jesus. Um, if you look at his life, most of his ministry happened on the way to somewhere. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's walking along somewhere, and a guy with leprosy calls out to him and says, hey, if you're willing, you can make me well. And he stops, and he says, I'm willing. He's on his way to somewhere, and he sees a tax collector, you know, Matthew, and he, he goes up to him, and he says, hey, come follow me. He's on his way to somewhere, and a guy comes up to him and says, hey, he's a, a synagogue ruler, and he says, hey, my, my daughter is sick, and she ended up dying. Uh, come and heal her. But it, while he's on his way to that, a woman uh, who's been bleeding for years grabs his cloak and says, hey, you know, she, if I just touch his cloak, I'm going to be healed. And so he stops, and he ministers to her. He's on his way to somewhere, and he sees a guy up in a tree, Zacchaeus, and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house. <laughs> 
He's on his way to somewhere, and a blind guy, Bartimaeus, starts calling out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He's on his way to somewhere, and he's sitting at a well. And a woman comes up to draw water, and he starts talking to her and involves himself in her life. See, Jesus was the most relational person who ever lived. People were never a distraction for Jesus. He served them. He loved them. So finally, Peter says we are aliens and strangers. Our home is not here. Paul puts it this way in Galatians. He says, but may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified. And the world's interest in me has also died. That's a person who ads don't work on, right? Because he's not that interested in this world. We fix our eyes on what is unseen, not on what is seen. So our home is not here. So what does that look like? You know, we have to think about that. Um, and that kind of leads me to, to the last points here of what should we do. <laughs> so first of all, stop making this place our home. I know, you know, many of you uh, have planned or did plan for your retirement. You should. That's good. You, you, you should plan for your retirement. You're, you're planning or you, you did plan for your, your children's education. You know, you got to save up a while. You, you need a plan. We plan for a vacation. We plan for, you know, we plan for dinner even. You know, we, we plan for these things. And it's good. It's smart. You know, it's good to plan. I mean, it's all right to be spontaneous, but it's, but it's good to plan. But think about this. How many of us also at the same time plan and strategize with God? God, how can I reach my coworker? And we start praying and say, God, reveal to me the people that you want me working on right now. I'm, I'm going to start targeting some people in my work. I'm going to start targeting some of my neighbors. God, Holy Spirit, open up for me the people who are going to be drawn to interact with me who are going to be open. And, and then you set out a plan. And maybe work together with other people in the church, other, other Christians that you know in your, in your neighborhood. Your, your church here, you have a great leadership team here. I, I've, I've gotten to spend some time with them, and you've got a, a great pastoral staff, great leadership team. I know they have a lot of ideas that, they want to reach the, the, the community. And so I encourage you to make yourself a part of that. And, um, and, and start praying. Hey, God, how can you use me to reach those around me? And I'm going to free up my time. Maybe it means stopping doing some of the other things you're doing to make yourself available uh, to be that salt and light for your neighbors. Secondly, we need to get out and give people our presence. You know, it's, it's, it's especially together as believers. There's a dynamic. Uh, Jesus said, uh, or, or really, it's, it's, it's God. Where two or more of you gathered, there I am in the midst of them. So there's some kind of spiritual dynamic that happens uh, when we're together as believers. So get out there and give them our presence. And it takes time. And thirdly, we need to be a bridge to God. Involve ourselves in people's lives, not judging, <laughs> being a busybody. I don't mean in that way, but, but involving ourselves in their lives. You know, get to know them. Take, take cookies over to your neighbors. Start involving yourself in their lives. Um, 
we, uh, when we were in Maryland, we, we bought a condo, and the first day when we were going up to our, our unit, uh, going up the elevator, there was a guy who pushed the 18th floor, which is where our condo was. And we said, oh, do you live on our floor? And he goes, yes. And I said, well, how do you like it? We, we just bought this, this unit there. And he said, oh, I love it. Everybody keeps to themselves. <laughs> and we're like, uh, that's not us. That's not our plan. <laughs> I've heard it said that love is the accurate estimate and adequate supply of another's needs. Actually, Dick Foe said that. So let's arrange our lives um, to free up time to be used by God to minister to others. Jesus said the two greatest commandments, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, love your neighbor as yourself. So the things I'm saying are just, hey, let's put feet to that, right? So in closing, hey, we, are, we have an important part in God's story. God has created us for a relationship with him that, we would be pres- that he would be present with us. And yes, humans broke that relationship with God, but Jesus made restored relationship with God possible. God said in 2 Corinthians 5, he said, God is not uh, counting men's sins against them. I mean, like Paul said, I mean, we have this, this message of reconciliation. I mean, he put it this way, we implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. And so this is God's will for your life. If you want to know God's will for your life, God, here's, here's your calling. Your calling is that of a priest. You guys are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, as Peter put it. The church is a priesthood of all believers. So the God, what God wants for you is for you to be the priest that he's called you to be, growing and following him as you also reach out and teach others who can then do the same. Matthew 28, right? Go and make disciples of all nations. And so you want to make disciples who can make disciples who can make disciples. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for your word. God, we thank you for this high calling that we have. God, you use us. It's so much fun to be a part of you uh, reaching out and changing the people around us. And so, God, thank you for the small part we get to play. And thank you for this, this family of God that we are a part of, that we are a, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. God, may we take that seriously. God, I pray for this church. God, may you expand their influence. God, use them to impact their coworkers and their neighbors and the people in their schools. God, may they be a blessing here. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Hope Online Podcast. For more information about Hope Assembly of God, go to www.godgivesyouhope.com or download our app in the App Store.